Hey guys, Pilo here. The news that uh, that broke today, I, I thought we would educate everyone on uh, one fine establishment uh, named Applebee's. And just in case you didn't know, and I just kind of learned this doing a little research, did you know that Applebee's was owned by IHOP? Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, Tennessee fans... Uh, if you're trying to get fancy when you come to Hattiesburg this weekend, you're going to have to go to Laurel because we just don't have that fancy in Hattiesburg. But anyway, guys, buckle up. We have two awesome guests, and it's going to be a good one. Here we go. Welcome to, to the Top Talk. Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to another episode of To The Top Talk, brought to you by our good friends at Four Street Bar and Grill. We are recording this on, Jan on June the 6th from beautiful Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Here, as always, with your break from the High Resource 5 propaganda to talk a little Southern Miss athletics. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. Joining me now, the one and only Patrick Lowry. Yo, feeling fancy today. Yeah, man. I think we're all going to go out to Applebee's I think today later. was a great, uh, it was a great news day, right? I'm rocking, I'm rocking the, uh, the golf, uh, golf attire, PGA live combining. Oh God. There's a lot to talk we're about. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. We have way, <laughs> we go way, way too much to talk about that. And we got, oh, come on. And we have, uh, we also have a special treat. Yeah, we do. Uh, the two guests that we have on, but before we get to that, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to remind everybody this that today is brought to you by uh, Four Street Bar and Grill, always the place to be pre and post game for every USM sporting event. Have all the games on if you can't make it to the game. Nine dollar and ninety five cent plate lunches Monday through Friday. Home style plate lunches. Tag us on social when you go by there, and it gets yourself a shout out. This week at Four Street Bar, Slave wanted me to pass along that you can go watch mm -hmm. the baseball games there if you can't get a ticket. This ticket's a hot ticket, so you might be looking for a place. Uh, shot and drink specials for the Super Regional Delicious Sweet. Sliders. So let's go and get your drink on at 4th Street. Uh, what happened since the last time we recorded? Not a whole Re lot. You know, regional action uh, <laughs> over in Auburn, uh, Alabama. And uh, we did, we'd have a new basketball signee. Yeah. Um, the A couple of them, actually. Uh, football team had an evaluation camp on Saturday. Um, some of the football game times were announced and Tanner Hall got a whole bunch of more awards. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, Pilo, real quick, if you want to hit everybody with the merchandise site, saw a bunch of gear uh, over in Auburn this weekend. So everybody, yeah. I think, is figuring out how to get to the bonfire site. But real quick, uh, run, run us through that. Yeah. So again, uh, like we've talked about, I think the hottest selling shirt is still that goat yoga. Uh Thanks, Timmy. I mean, not Timmy. Dang it, I did it, uh, Danny, uh, for that. And uh, so, yeah, uh, bonfire.com slash store slash to the top talk will get you there. Uh, and if you click on any of our uh, links on our, any of our social platforms, we have a link tree there for uh, all of our links to uh, that website. So go check it out. And uh, again, stay tuned for more coming uh, as we uh move toward football season but we're not done yet so before we get into the meat of this episode uh, mm -hmm. eric rogers and i yeah chronicled like this entire event 
from the time we left Hattiesburg at like six in the morning till the time we got back. And, um, you know, some of the audio is going to be better than some of the other audio, hmm. but it was fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here is me and Eric. On the road, we are 70 miles from Mobile, 294 miles from Auburn. Play at one o'clock today. Eric Rogers has decided to come on the trip with me. So, hey, man, uh, you know, we just met, I feel like, not long ago. And now here we are going oh, to yeah. uh, no, going all around Alabama. So, what you think, bro? Uh, a little early. <laughs> feel good, though. Wide awake. Got a uh, little energy pumping, ready to see this game. And uh, I feel good about the weekend. And just got a long road trip ahead. Uh, but ready to go support those eggs. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, only I got, I got a ticket. So Eric got a ticket for like the entire weekend. I got a ticket for today, and I'm gonna figure out the rest as we go. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see how this how this chronicling of events goes. But anyway, uh, we will check back in when we get to Auburn. To the top. Eleven forty-five. We have. We have landed in Auburn, Alabama. Eric and I made it. Um, we ran into some people that, that we know. Uh, Stump, and so Stump's here, and my name's Bump, so that's going to get confusing. All three of our first names are actually Jason, so who knows how this is going to go. But uh, we, we finally arrived. We're at Moe's Barbecue. Um, got about an hour and 15 minutes before the game starts. So, um, first of all, E, What's made the up? trip. How was it? Been excellent. You, uh... Mostly drove straight, and so I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, no beers before an hour out. That's the rule. You're welcome on the parallel parking lesson. Yeah, I, I did bad, then I did better. <laughs> and uh, it's a beautiful day. Weather's great, and here with a couple of friends and who we are going to make be on this podcast. Yeah. Introduce your friends. We got uh, Misty and Jason the Stump Lee. Misty, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, you didn't know you were going to walk into like being on a podcast. I know, but so so you made the, you guys made the trip last night. Yeah. Okay. And you're staying near here. You're from Alabama. Well, we're staying a little bit further away. But um, what are you looking forward to most out of this uh, weekend? Drinking. My girl, Stump. <laughs> Stump. You're gonna have to do a little better than one word answers. But uh, so. Um, so you know Eric, so sorry about that. Um, what, what are you looking more forward to this weekend? First of all, keeping her out of jail. Yeah. Then next, uh, three straight USM wins would be great. Three straight USM wins. That's awesome. Well, good deal. We're going to check in again after the game. Um, and Southern Miss? To the top. We're back at Moe's. It is uh, 8.50. Southern Miss didn't look great today, but we went home, we went back to the hotel, we showered, we regrouped, and we have refreshed, and we have come back out, and we're currently watching Auburn versus Penns tied up 3-3 three to three in the ninth inning, I think. So anyway, I ran across, actually a fraternity brother of mine, and um, Chase. Chase. That's so right. you and your wife came over here from Hattiesburg today? We did. Hey, from Brandon, from Brandon. From Brandon. Yeah. 
Hey, Jason, this is Chase, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, yes, we were here at Moe's, hanging out, watching the Auburn Penn game. Not really sure who we actually want to pull this one out. Um, it is an interesting dynamic. Like, Auburn threw off today. So do we want to face Auburn's one tomorrow? you got to beat them at some point, right? That's what I'm thinking, too. you got to beat them at some point. Might as well get them in the loser's bracket tomorrow and put them out of here and play a three and a four seed to fight to the rest of the regional is what I would think. But uh, it's just my opinion. Can we get a big roll tide? <laughs> we cannot get a roll tide. So let's stump everybody. You met him earlier. He's been roll tiding all night in an Auburn bar, so that's what we're getting into. Anyway, uh, we will check back in uh, before the uh, ball game tomorrow and uh, to the top. It does taste just like a milkshake. All right, 1245, Saturday. E, you're on Bushwhacker number two. How are you feeling? I'm getting there. Long night. I think the last six or seven beers were probably a bad idea last night. <clears throat> but I've had a great time at Auburn so far, man. My first time here. Uh, have you ever been to Auburn? Not a chance. First time. Yeah. But cool town, right? <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little speechless today. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so well, uh, so the winner stays and the loser goes home. Um, you like our chances? I love them. Missy, how about you? No. You don't like our chances? No. Huh. Well, there we go. Well, so now we have a bit, right? Mm, there's yeah, always I love a bit. Look, I love bit. There's always a chance. That's why we go play. Yeah. Well, either way, win or lose, uh, I've had a great, great trip. And um, I think I'm gonna, you're going to drive the entire way home. All right? <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we check in more than one other time. <laughs> All right. Down this beer. Let's get in there and whoop some ass. To the top. To the top. E. 5.02. We're leaving uh, right after we beat Auburn. So, Auburn's gone. Um, we're out of here. You know, as far as this game goes today, man, obviously we're feeling pretty good after it. But what do you think about... Uh, Billy Oldham's performance. Fantastic. Uh, you know, even considering, I think, I think he wasn't getting some of the calls on just some great pitches that, uh, that he should have got. Uh, he was still able to go, I think, six innings. Maybe Somewhere around there. Yeah. Seven. Uh, and I just think he did a fantastic job. And, um, that's that. All got it started in the beginning with Sarge. It might have been a little windblown. Who cares? He popped out the right field. I thought it was a can of corn. It kept going. He had that early three-run lead, and that's what we were missing yesterday, in my opinion. We never just got over the hump. We got a bunch of guys on base and couldn't get them in. So starting off with Sarge, and then, of course, I mean, Dusty Dickerson hit two just absolute moonshots over that left field wall. Um, that really propelled us to a victory. But so here we are, man. Uh, Penn and Samford are going to play tonight, and then one of them is going to have uh, a loss, and uh, and we're going to find out who we're playing. So how you feeling heading into tomorrow? Feel great. Uh, this has been an extremely exciting game. I feel like uh, they were able to 
pull it together after yesterday's loss, which was tough. Um, and if they can keep this momentum going like they did today, uh, it's going to be exciting. I think they can pull out the, the regional. I, I hate to call it like that. But, you know, yeah, don't jinx us. I read in the middle okay. of it. Yeah, I won't. My bad. So, <laughs> but, I mean, hell, I, I hope they win. <laughs> you know, I think they can. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So we will check in again uh, along the way. Southern Miss. To the top. 12.31 on Sunday morning. And some Golden Eagle fans are here. So what we're going to do, we got. We know we got one game today. We think we might have two games. So uh, just give me your prediction on what's going to happen today. Uh, game one, is there going to be a game two? Uh, what you think in your name first? Uh, Zach Jones and Eags are going to sweep the day. Like it. Next on the list, president himself, Brian Renfro. Definitely two games today, and we doing Monday too. A game Monday. Monday. All right, two games today, a game tomorrow, and baseball next weekend. Perfect. Phil Scott, hot damn. The only prediction is Eags by ninety, baby. He's by ninety. It's a lot. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. All righty, what's your prediction for today? Are we playing one or two games? We're playing two games, beating that ass, and that's all I got to say about it. Southern Miss to the, to top. the top. All righty, it is midnight. We got to the ballpark today, Sunday, at, I don't know, like 1.30 or something like that. And we've been at the ballpark until right now, and it is midnight, so... You can tell in my voice that we've been here that long. Um, got one more game tomorrow, man. Who, who, who do you think we're going to put on the mound tomorrow? Do we do we have a pitcher left? I you know I'm thinking. I you mean, think Nikki six. I would love to go Nikki ball game, but I think JB Middleton. JB Middleton's got like Friday stuff. Yeah. So anyway. We're still here, <laughs> and it's going to be it's, it's really fun. Um, we will check back in tomorrow, 2 o'clock, to the top. All right, Eric, last one of these. It feels like we've done a bunch of them, but, man, we squeezed in five games over the last, I guess, four days. Four days. We had a rain delay in the middle of that. We met some cool people. Lost the first game, won four in a row. I know you're tired like I am. We're sitting here looking at the at the map. We got 278 miles back to Hattiesburg. But, man, I mean, what's your overall thoughts about how it all went down? Couldn't have been more exciting. Uh, always a hard way to start the loss. Man. So proud of those guys for fighting back. Uh, it was so much fun to watch, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yep. My fingernails are bitten to their core. <laughs> um, you know, I was looking around, and at some point I just I just got nervous. Um, it was just nervous, but it was a good nervous, you know. And it's That's the reason that you get up and you make the drive, and that like we're talking to Charlie after the game. That's the reason that you go – 
at the beginning of the year at the peak when it's 10 degrees outside and, and while you put forth all the effort all year to cheer these guys on and you make these trips is because you get to witness things like that, man. So, so cool. Glad I got to share that experience with you and hopefully we'll have a uh, super regional at the peak. That would be clutch. I would love to take the golf cart to the game. Let's do it one last time, brother man. Southern Miss. To the top. All right, well, um, you guys, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought Eric did a fine job. I thought everybody that participated did a fine job. We had such a great time over in Auburn. But um, and I I saw one of our guests over there the last day. Mm -hmm. But let's go ahead and introduce these two guys. Uh, You know them from the ESPN Plus broadcast. They do a fantastic job. Uh, Jason Baker and Cliff Russell. What's up, fellas? What's up, guys? Gentlemen, how y'all doing? Doing great, man. man we're for, good. Yeah, thanks doing, for taking doing the time. Super? Doing super today, right? What? Doing super. I am feeling super. My voice is feeling horrible, but I almost have pipes now. It's like I need to go sit in the sunshine for like 12 hours at a time and just scream my head off and all of a sudden I have a deep voice. I don't know. I can't sing anything, but I couldn't do that to begin with. <laughs> Um, so, so what about this Auburn thing, man? We, we, we just heard our kind of recap of, of how it all went down, but it was my first trip to Auburn. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. The people were chill. It was just a good vibe around everywhere, which normally doesn't happen for me in SEC places, but it was, it was, it was great, man. Um, have you guys bake? We'll start with you. If you, I'm sure you have, you've called probably several games at, at, at football, baseball and softball and all of it, but, um, what do you what do you think about this weekend and maybe some some stories you have of 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 Auburn? Yeah, really. Uh, it's a really cool town. It really is. It's it's a great college town. Kind of reminds you uh, truly a lot about Hattiesburg, if you ask me. Um, I have called some games there three days after my uh, oldest child, my firstborn Jackson, was born. Um, me and John Cox road tripped over back in two thousand and what was the first year for Fedora? Two thousand eight, I guess. Um, we opened yeah. up, I think, yeah. the second or third week of the season over there. I was the sideline reporter then for Larry Fedora, his first road game. This is a wild story. I'll share it with you really quickly. Mm-hmm. AD, Gerald McGrath, and I are out at the coin toss. I'm the sideline reporter, so my job is to mic up the referee. And they have their bird, Spirit, right, that they land on the logo of the 50-yard line. And Spirit has a handler. He goes out there, and I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, but they throw a fake mouse, a little stuffed toy mouse on the 50-yard line, and that's how Spirit lands <laughs> on the 50-yard line. I think it's Spirit. I hope that's right. And um, I'm standing there next to the ref, and his handler walks up and says, hey, man, I would move. And I just kind of look to him like, <laughs> no, nah, man, I can't. Like, I got a job to do. Like, you know, Cox is going to fire me, literally. And um, – so I turned to him again and he's like, hey, man, I, I would watch out seriously. And A.D. is to my left and he's hearing it. And Austin kind of cuts his you know, head to me, kind of looks like, what's this dude talking about? And all of a sudden that day, Spirit decided he was ready for that mouse a lot faster than the rest of us were getting ready to get out of there. <laughs> and in he came. And I mean, the referee, myself, I mean, there was expletives galore like out there at this 50 yard line because here comes this bird flying in. So 
Uh, that was my experience. And then Larry Fedora cursed on the way into the halftime locker room on air and off we were rolling in Auburn, Alabama, man. It was good times. <laughs> awesome stuff. Cliff, what about you? Did, did you ever, did, did, did Southern Miss play Auburn while you were, were pitching at Southern Miss? Uh, I, I, I don't have any cool stories like that, Baker. Way to one up me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, man, that was, uh, that was my second time on campus. The first time I went to a football game. Um, I don't even think it was Southern Miss. I just went to an Auburn game, I think, in mm -hmm. college. And literally, I, I watched every game this weekend from my back porch. And I get up yesterday morning, and I'm kind of debating. I'm like, man, I would love to be there. But, you know, responsibilities, adult, adult responsibilities, i got to work. And I'm halfway to the office, and I, I pull into a, a parking lot, and I call my wife, and I'm like, hey – get dressed, load up. We're, we're going to Auburn. I, I can't sit here and, 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 and watch this game on TV and, and wish <laughs> I was there all day. And so we took off yesterday morning, just kind of spontaneously and, and certainly glad we went down. So I want to get you guys taken. We're going to talk about each individual game as we go here. Um, but uh, so I was having a conversation with, um, with Momo Montenegro uh, while we're over there. And he let me know, that the NCAA makes every team cut the roster to 30 for the regionals. Um, I don't know why I wasn't aware of that, but I wasn't. So a few guys didn't get to make it. Uh, and, and well, I think they made the trip. They just can't dress out. They can't be a part of the whole deal. Number one, I don't know why that's a rule. Maybe you guys do. Number two, I'm thinking about guys like, like Gabe Lacey, man, who kind of came here uh, as a, I mean, just smashed the ball at, at uh, where was he? Tennessee, that, uh, Tennessee Tech, Tech. Yeah. and and he, and he came from Gulfport, I think originally. And granted, he had his shots his years uh, this year, and it just didn't kind of work out. But I mean, it's Cliff. I don't know if you were a part of that on, on a team where a guy just couldn't make a trip. Um, that had to be a tough decision for forty. I, I, that's that's one of the parts of the job that you probably don't want. But I guess well, my question to you guys is like, why is that a rule? Um, how, why did they, why does the NCAA make you do that? And, um, and do you have any, any experience with, with players that you thought maybe, you know, it just, they kind of got the shaft. You, my, you turn my, to my, guess, my, my guess is they, they limit that roster to keep up uh, an even playing field. Right. And, and uh, so everybody's going into that, that weekend with the same number of players. And then, uh, certainly there are, are decisions to be made on how many pitchers you're going to carry because mm -hmm. everybody knows that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, right? it's true. The arms you have available and, um, you know, I, I mean, it, it's always been a big part of, of the postseason is, is who makes that, that cut. And then, um, you know, I, I did see some guys in that dugout this weekend just in shorts and T-shirts and, mm. uh, that's exactly why. But you want those guys. Those guys have worked just as hard, right? They put in just as much time sure. uh, on the field and, and in the practice. And, and certainly you want them to go with that team and experience that because that's why they're here. That's why they chose Southern Miss is because they play in these type of events. They play in these games. They play in the postseason. Uh, and so you certainly want them to. And, man, I, I tell you what, the few that I saw in, in shorts and in T-shirts were super engaged. I, I saw yeah. them out of that dugout so many times and uh, just pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, that's well, that's one thing that this team, to be honest with you, like 25, 30 games into the season. I mean, we talked about it out in the roost a bunch. Like, hey, look, it's okay. We're just going to win 33, and we're going to come in fourth. And um, <laughs> we're, you know, this is the floor. A lot yep. of people would give anything for what we're about to witness uh, if, if that was their floor as well. And I didn't know if the team had it. And I, I didn't see the chemistry, you know. Uh, and and all of a sudden, it just came around. And now we're talking about things like you're talking about. Guys aren't even participating in their, you know, the first one high-fiving somebody out of the dugout. So that's a testament to 40 and to Oz and the culture that, you know, players like you, Cliff, kind of paved the way for. Um, well, let's get to actually what went down this uh, this weekend. We had talked about Tanner Hall, uh, you know, and, and what was the decision going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pilo, I know you and I had talked about it. But tell her, I mean, so Auburn kind of did that, right? Yeah, I mean, so I, I know it was heavily debated on – I think I even asked the question on our group chat, and and I, it definitely was talked about on Twitter. Um, I mean, do we throw Tanner game one, right? I think that was the take. And and obviously, um, from what we learned, you know, shortly after game one, Auburn didn't throw their ace, right? They – decided to hold and and then we threw uh Tanner Hall game one. So kind of what's y'all's thoughts on on that? Who was right? Uh you obviously can't ever guarantee a, a W even if even if your guy goes nine innings, right? Um so kind of talk about that, what you guys thought. Well Auburn wasn't right. Hey, but I mean, that, how, no. you know, the, the pitchforks would be out right now if 40 would have decided to throw off and we'd have gone one, two barbecue at home. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was asked the question last week, would, was he going to do it? And, you know, I, I said myself as like my true personal opinion would have been, I might would have tried to gamble, but I also prefaced that with, I don't believe Scott Barry was going to do that one iota I don't even think it was a thought in his mind I know he said oh well we're debating it but I don't think for one instance Scott Barry planned on ever thinking about holding Tanner Hall into that next game number one you know what I think you do there in that situation is I think you give a little bit of an edge to your opponent as far as like a mental uh sharpness if you will into the ball game Hmm. not that you should need anything to push your buttons anymore but, like, what a disrespect. Like, what we know now of Penn, which was a quality team, and ultimately, if, if you ask me, they probably thought, man, Auburn doesn't think we're worth a you-know-what, and, and here they are throwing off their ace. Like, let's go show them who we are. And, you know, what we know now about Sanford, pretty good club, and uh, what we know about Penn, I was uh, thoroughly impressed with them. I, I thought they did everything the right way. And um, to me, I wouldn't have wanted to give any single one of those two teams – any more of an edge uh, it, or, or a leg up, if you will, by throwing off. And I think that's the message you send. I, I just believe you'll give those opponents that three and four seed just a disrespect. No doubt. Cliff, uh, you, you've been in some of those conversations. Um, did you have any inkling that, that 40 might do what Auburn did and throw off? No, I mean, I, I knew us that he's going to throw Tanner there, right? And, and you know, we, we've seen him do it year in and year out. And I'm, 
I'm certainly in no position to, to question it. I, I, I mean, personally, I, I, I was kind of hoping that maybe he would roll the dice. And, but I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where um, you just know that if, yeah, I, I feel like we, 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 we certainly don't have the depth that we had last year, right? We've said that all year. Yeah. But they, they've got some depth to them. Now, it's not quite like that historic bullpen mm-hmm. a year ago. But this team has got some depth. And we saw that on the weekend where you come back from a loser's bracket and, and, and win the regional. You don't do that without some quality depth at that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just felt like maybe we weren't inclined to come out of that loser's bracket if we win game one. Which is why you start is is you 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 get your guy out Friday night, you get that W out of the way, uh, and then you go to work and you figure it out the rest of the way from there. Obviously, that's not the way it turned out, uh, and they had to do it the hard way. But but that gummit man, those, those guys, uh, you know, I heard Will Armistead say it yesterday. Like those those guys were hurting, they asked, but they figured out a way. Has Armistead's arm? I'm sorry, babe. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, one thing that people don't talk about is so you bump Tanner back a day. It also doesn't make him available on Monday and twice the last two years. Christian Mm. Ostrander has chosen to open with Tanner Hall last year on the Monday final against LSU. I believe he I believe he started that game. And then, you know, this year, of course, he does it again. Now, granted, I guess, you know. The, the negative Nancys in this group might say, well, he wasn't very effective. Well, you know, y- you get the beauty of looking at that from an armchair quarterback standpoint right now, but what if Tanner goes three and is perfect? He wasn't bad. Look, I mean, he had a unearned, two unearned runs in that first yep. inning on Monday. I mean, he got the ground balls. We just didn't execute for him. And so, like, that's the one thing to think about is, you know, you shorten that rest period and really and truly, I don't – if you choose to throw him game two of a regional, I don't think there's any way he's available for any amount of time on Monday. And so that's the other element to that, to me, that people kind of overlook and don't think about. They don't ever put themselves in that Monday final. Um, but, you know, it's taken those Monday finals the last two years. And, you know, that's that's just sometimes how regionals work, man. Those things are bloodbaths. And, I mean, you got yeah. four good teams fighting for one spot out of there. You know, my opinion is they tend to end up on Mondays. Yeah, and and I know Pilo is going to get start us off in a minute with uh, with the actual games. But what did y'all think about? You know, after I didn't go to Montgomery, but I watched all of those games, and I even watched like some of the games that we didn't play in. And there was a lot of talent in that in that um, conference tournament. I felt like when I went to go watch this one that I thought we already played the hard tournament. Not that this one wasn't difficult. There were some teams here, but I think it kind of like seasoned us or, or like it, it let us know um, that, that, you know, that we could do it. And in my opinion, we kind of already did it against some better opponents anyway. I mean, does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I, I think the Sunbelt conference is a bloodbath if you ask you ask me right now of a conference and um, I certainly think, you know, putting a Southern Miss in it didn't do anything, but, but create more chaos within the Sunbelt conference. And I I don't know what else, what, how else Cliff felt, but I mean, man, there were, I don't know that the pitching in the Sunbelt was quite as elite 
um, as Conference USA. I kind of think Conference USA was much more of a of a pitcher league. Um, I, and I don't really know why I feel that way. I just feel that way. I don't mm-hmm. know that the numbers point that way. Um, but it was 100% a hitter's league. I, I thought sure. the lineups top to bottom, like, man, Louisiana, are you kidding me? Like that lineup top to bottom, um, the name slips me right now, the cleanup hitter that hit that ball about 449 feet. But, I mean, that left-handed sweet swinging center fielder, like, bro, I hope we don't have to see him for a couple more years. Well, like, them, Troy, I, Coastal, they can all smash, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, one thing I don't think anybody – I've heard anybody mention is is the advantage of this front end of this schedule that that we played this season. Oh, good point. Extremely tough. And, you know, you reel off whatever it is now, 22 out of 25 or 24, whatever that number is now. I think that's exactly why you're seeing that, is you played that schedule and what – uh, Coach Barry called probably the toughest schedule of his career that he has seen here. He played that. It was very heavy on the front end. And I think you're seeing that payoff here the last third of the season and, and now in the postseason. Absolutely. That's a great point. Pilo, get us rolling with the uh, with the region. Yeah, so as we typically do when we run through games and stuff, we start with the record. So everybody knows we're sitting at 45 and 18, 22 and 8. Um, and, and I, I thought it was really good. I don't know if you guys heard before we get rolling to the, the details, but, uh, hearing coach, uh, Barry's, was it post game or on the field or afterwards, uh, talking about his goal for the season this year was 44, obviously for Corky. Mm. And, uh, you know, he said, and he even said, like, I didn't tell a lot of people that, but it was, it was my kind of thing. And to get that. Uh, and then to come back and get 45, I mean, you just know it's obviously an emotional uh, emotional win, and it was really cool for him to share that and kind of be candid. But uh, here we go. Uh, game one, obviously versus Stanford on Friday at one. Uh, and we like to we like to lead with with uh, don't bury the lead. So we obviously lost this one four two. Uh, we threw Tanner Hall, and, and he gave us a chance to get the win. Uh, Sanford took a 1-0 lead in the third, and it would stay that way until the fifth when Dickerson knocked in Montenegro on the sack fly. Uh, nothing doing for either team uh, through the end of regulation. Tanner comes out after nine innings complete, and he goes nine innings pitched, eight hits, one earned, nine Ks, two walks on 123 pitches. Um, so that brings in Storm, and uh, Sanford was, you know, just kind of on top of him. And he gives up a home run, doesn't record an out. It happens, right? Got to have to tip your hat. Storm is obviously one of the best guys in the country. Uh, so we move on. Mazza comes in and gets through the inning. Uh, and then, then we're sitting down 4-1 and going into the bottom of the 10th. And USM had a shot, right? We get the bases loaded, no outs, and we only get one run on a Peto ground out. So, um Looking back at that, Dickerson ends up going two for three. Montenegro goes two for three, and uh, Eagles sitting at zero and one after one. So let us know y'all's thoughts. Cliff, um, I, I mean it, it's let's start with Tanner, right? Let's let's <laughs> what he what he did is uh, is what we've all had a front row seat watching him do. Uh, for two years now, man. And that's one thing I've always said about Tanner is it's not it's not what he does. It's how consistent he does it. It's time in and time out. When he takes that bump, you know exactly what you're getting. And he got it again this weekend from him. 
Um, it's special, man. It is mm-hmm. it is special watching him up there. And it was again uh, the Friday night, and that that's that's what he thrives in, man. Game one of a regional, you got your guy on that bump. Unfortunately, we just couldn't get the timely hitting, and and you know we, we there again we we've, we've seen that some even going back to last year and this season is when this offense struggled. It's it's typically with timely hitting and, and situational hitting. Yeah, and, uh, it's baseball though, Bob. You know that, and and um, you know there's just going to be games where you don't get that hit. Uh, but I, I said it, I said it yesterday, and Oz going to get Justin Storm that quick and that quick leash to me is what won won that regional for us, and, and he gives him hmm. the ability to stretch it out Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, and do what he did in that game, but. Uh, yeah. I just thought that was huge for he, he is always, man, Oz is always a step ahead of of me and Baker and everybody. It's just, I mean, you'll you'll sit there and question some of his things. And then two days down the road, you're like, well, that's exactly why he did that. Uh, and he, he's just so, so good in situations like that. Yeah. Well, if he's two days ahead of you guys, he's at least a week ahead of me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's Vake, why I did that. Vic, what do you think? I mean, and and, and just um, you you might have thought the same thing, but like we just left so many people on base, right? And as we move forward, we know we we won a whole bunch of games after this, but we kind of did the same thing in this game. We just never got that one hit mm-hmm. to just kind of open it up. Well, know? we did. You know, I, I look at it sometimes, bump from a perspective, and and I don't know, maybe this comes from me at least trying to be as non-biased as I can sometimes on these broadcasts, but you know, a tip of the cap to, to the Sanford, right? Like Etzel hit a ball extremely hard at their first baseman. He yeah. makes an incredible catch that probably wins the game. If we're, you know, if, if, if I'm being honest at that point, like I, I really think Etzel barreled that ball up and there's a few more that just kind of come to mind. And then look, like, you, you know, the pitch that was hit was a fastball from Storm in the upper portion of the zone. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, probably the other 70% of the time that kid swings and misses through it. But you know yeah. what? He got the barrel on it and put a good swing on it. And, I mean, it was a no-doubter. And, uh, you know, certain times you just tip your cap to those guys and say, hey, man, for the last couple of innings, you just happen to execute a little better than us. And what I do think it did, and, and to Cliff's point – both Cliff and I have talked about this. I thought the same thing when Oz went to go get Justin. I was like, whoo, that was that was a tough hook, right? But, you know, obviously Oz was playing chess while the rest of us were sitting there playing checkers because he had a plan. And, you know, I think that home run probably sharpened Justin's storm up. And, of course, what we know now is, you know, as we'll go on and talk later on yeah. in this regional, I mean, that dude put together a performance to, to become an absolutely Golden Eagle legend. And, um yeah, I mean, it probably it, it, you know probably lit a little bit of a fire in him for the rest of that regional, if you ask me. I haven't asked him that, but I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. So here we are. We're zero and one, and we all know that Auburn threw off. So we have the next game. Uh, our next game is Saturday at two o'clock. So we get to get out in that heat again. That was fun. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask and, you this. Yeah. Let me let me before you move on. Who who did you want to play Saturday? As you're sitting there watching those games Friday night. What was your thought process? I, well, I struggled with it. I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know which one I wanted it to go. So, so as we're watching the game unfold, you know, we start to think, you know, if we're going to win this thing, who do you want to face twice? That's what we kept saying. Like, who yeah. do we, if we're going to make a run, who do you want to face twice? And 
<laughs> you know, nobody wanted to face Auburn twice. And I didn't want to face Samford twice because I thought they can just smoke the ball. Um, so if you had to pick somebody, you're going to have to be somebody twice. And I was like, it's got to be Penn, right? Um, and it ended up kind of working out that way. But you were, but, 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 but yes. So that night when we're, um, when, when we're thinking about it, but we didn't know, I didn't know what Vale had. I hadn't watched a whole lot of games outside of Southern Miss, but I knew we were going to get their guy. Now, I thought we could go one two barbecue, uh, but I also thought if we won that game, we got a shot, right? Yeah. We're kind of, I mean, the host is out. Um, we've already taken over the entire town. You saw our crowds that were there. So I was like, you know, if we can just get by this game, just get that one key hit that we didn't get on Friday night, then we're in pretty good shape. And and that's kind of what happened. I mean, early on, we, we roughed up Vale pretty good. Um, he, he takes the loss, uh, finishing the season with a record of five and two. And then he goes, he goes four and a third, four hits, five runs, four earned, four Ks and two walks. I was probably expecting – I wasn't expecting that. I didn't think um, mm-hmm. out of that guy. Um, Southern Miss started Billy Oldham. He looked great. Uh, we've kind of called him Tanner Light this year, and that's not a knock at all. It, it, it's uh, you know He's like one of the best ever. Um, like if Tanner wasn't on our team, he'd be the Friday guy, right? So um, he gets the win, 7-3 on the season. He goes five and two-thirds, four hits, two runs, one K and two walks. Uh, Armistead came in, just absolutely lights out, three and a third, five hits. And Cliff, I want to ask you about this. And Bake, too, you guys have an interesting perspective on watching Armistead all year long. Has he always been a side armor? I mean, I'm not saying he was over the top, but as the year goes has gone on, it seems like he's just a little bit lower. Is that Oz tinkering? Is that him figuring something out? Uh, Cliff, I mean, you, you you know more about this than all of us combined. Uh-huh. I think I think it's it's definitely gotten lower as this season goes on, but I, I think that's just because of the success that he's had. And and I mean, you see the movement on those pitches, man. Yeah. It's, it's there's a reason he doesn't get hit hard, uh, bump. And <laughs> and you know he, he he's not gonna blow you away, right? He's, he's not gonna throw it mid nineties. And um, you know it, it's not a plus plus slider. It's just it's deceptive in my opinion. And uh, it's because of that arm angle and and um, I, you know whether that's Oz or, or just just Will. I mean, Will seemed. I don't. I don't. I haven't. I haven't spent much time with him. I haven't. Don't know that I've even said a word to him this season. But you know, you, you've heard his post game interviews. He seems like a super sharp kid. Yeah, he does. Uh, and, and somebody that uh, can outsmart you on that bump up there as well. So um, yeah, I think he's probably just seen some success with that and and his is smart enough to realize, hey, if something's working, then then I'm going to stick with it. Uh, and I'm sure there's been some bullpens with Oz at the same time. But, man, whatever he's doing is, is – Yeah, is he's figured it working. out. Yeah. I think Armistead's the exhibit A for the job that Christian Ostrander and Keller Bradford in this coaching staff and pitching staff has done this season. Like uh, a highly touted arm coming out of junior college. But there's such a – there's such a level gap between Juco and the hitters that you're facing in this level of trying to navigate through it. And what I think you've seen now bump is I think you've seen Christian Ostrander and and Keller Bradford put their stamp on Will Armistead and say, Hey, this is what it's going to take to get division one hitters out. And so to me, 
that development. And, and I think there's several guys, you know, still like that. Justin Storm, to me, has been a has been a project in the works. I think he was sure. a kid who kind of emerged out of that regional a year ago. Look, he was lightly used until that performance against LSU. And I think that's what Christian Ostrander brings. I've had a chance to visit with a couple of recruits that are coming in. In every single one of them, they immediately talk about Christian Ostrander's development of pitchers. And um, look, well, man, well, I mean, like if uh, your son was an elite pitcher. The, the, common, the common theme there is uh, you, you see who those out there. It's, it's the guys that have that command and are, are going to show that they can throw strikes. If, if you cannot throw strikes, Christian Ostrander is not going to put you out there. And that's what Will Armstead has done all season. Uh, you yeah. know, they'll, they'll, I think they'll, they'll tell you, and I've heard Coach Barry say, we, we didn't see this. Like, we, we did not see this coming. This is not – he's not a guy we had pegged coming into this season, even coming from the fall, that was going to have this type of success. Uh, but he went out there early in the season when they were trying to piece this thing together and figure out who they were going to trust. He kept getting run out there because he was had that command and he was throwing strikes. Uh, and then somewhere early on in this season, something clicked with Will Armistead. He got it figured out. Uh, and not only did he start throwing strikes, but he started just, just dominating. And speaking of something that clicks, um, the uh, well, the Eagles got nine hits on the day. Uh, Dustin Dickerson has figured out how to hit homers. You know, <laughs> um, he, he's he's been he's had that swagger since he stepped on on campus, I think. And he's had the glove, and he's he's had the arm, and you know, he's already always hit above three hundred and that whole deal, but. So he goes two for five with two solo jacks uh, in this game. Uh, Lynch goes two for three with a late insurance jack. Um, Sarge hit a homer in the top of the first. Might have been windblown, whatever. You know, it was still um, is a homer. Um, <laughs> they he didn't say that in three. enough times. Yeah. <clears throat> he goes one for three with, with three RBIs. Um, at the end of the day, man, I thought it was two pretty evenly matched teams. Just Sutter Miss got the key hits that we didn't get the day before, and Billy Oldham kind of out-dueled uh, the Auburn ace. And – and that leads us to uh to to game three. So we, we you know we we know we have to win out. Um yep. and we got Sanford coming up the very next day at two o'clock again. Um so this is when Eric and I went to Publix and bought like some $14 sunscreen because we're like, we gotta get something, you know, we're just baking out <laughs> here. <laughs> but people so would circling, yeah. yeah, circling back, I wanted to talk a little bit about um uh, obviously, from my perspective, not going to the game, I had to listen to to these uh, broadcasters, right, talk about, um, you know, a lot of love for this Auburn team. But one thing I thought that was pretty interesting was uh, how dominant and how well uh, Vale was against SEC uh, opponents, right? He finished uh, top five in several categories uh, for the SEC, fifth in ERA, fourth in opposing batting average at 182 and led the conference with only three home runs allowed in all season. Right. And then we come in there and crank three uh, and those guys just couldn't get over that. Like they were just completely baffled that. Hmm. Uh, and so that was one thing that was heavily discussed in that game, which I thought was pretty interesting that he had only given up three home runs and then, you know, dusty cranks two over the, their green monster or whatever it was. Um so, yeah, so moving – that moves us into game three, right? Sanford, again, uh, at that 2 p.m. game, uh, roasting in the sun, right, Bank? Uh, and so, Eagles stay alive, right? We win this one 9-4. to four. Danny Lynch got it started with a solo shot in the second, of course. 
uh, off the Sanford starter, Will Lynch, and Lynch on Lynch crime there. Uh, and so Danny goes, uh, got three of the Southern Miss uh, 10 hits uh, on the day and going three for four with two runs and an RBI. Etzel uh, adds, you know, stays hot and kind of went two for five, two RBIs, a Nikki ball game. Man, this kid, uh, two for three, two run score, two RBIs. Uh, Dickerson only got one hit, but absolutely destroyed the ball all game. And it just happened to, you know, go right to guys. The center fielder uh, from Sanford robbed him twice. And the one that was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Some plays that he made was just incredible. Uh, The one that uh, DD hit was a missile to center field. The dude almost caught it again, but it hit off the wall and resulted in a triple. Uh, And so, Adams gets the start for the Eagles and goes uh, three innings pitch, gives up four hits, three earned, uh, three Ks and a walk, and had to kind of navigate a, a lengthy rain delay. And I thought that was interesting. You know, it was a pretty good delay, and both teams come back out with the starters. So uh, I think that just kind of shows, you know, thinking ahead and, and trying to trying to get it done with with what they knew was ahead of them. So Sibley um, came in afterwards and and really – Competed. He threw four innings, uh, gave up six hits, one earned, five Ks, and a walk. Uh, Chandler Dawson comes in, finishes out with two clean innings. And, and we know this, and we've already talked about it. Like Sanford obviously can smash the ball. Uh, and we got we got through this one with some great performances to do it. And, um, you know, then we're, we know what we have ahead of us with Penn and got to beat them twice. So, what's y'all's thoughts after game three? You know, Pilo, you, you mentioned something about the lineup and the success that it had and, and really kind of getting going between Monastere and Lynch and Dickerson. You know, one thing that I think maybe this lineup's not gotten enough credit for because maybe some of the stars of this lineup at times have had cold streaks or maybe the expectation. I think about Carson Pato, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I talk with people all the time. They're like, oh, well, Pato's still struggling. I'm like, well, he's third on the team in average. As a redshirted sophomore off a redshirt freshman, you know, All-American season a year ago, like he's not really struggling. And to me, the element of this lineup that people aren't maybe favoring as much is their experience. There's something to be said for a team that has to go through something. It's kind of like, you know, you got to get it's kind of like winning championships. You know, they say you got to get there first before you win the first one or you know, some people believe in that adage. And I just think the experience that this team can draw off of from a year ago, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I really think has helped them in regional play. I think it's helped them, you know, through the ups and downs of the course of a baseball season. I think Cliff talked a lot this season about leadership of this club. Danny Lynch, you know, could, you could argue it's going to go down as one of the greatest leaders that they've ever had. And look, there's a reason they've extended him a grad assistant job, right, for next year. Like, they know this kid gets it. And Mm -hmm. so there's something to be said because Carson Pato's had huge at-bats. Dustin Dickerson has had huge at-bats in his career. Chris Sargent has had huge at-bats. Blake Johnson's had huge at-bats. You know, Rodrigo Montenegro sat there and watched his older brother have, you know, a Hall of Fame-like career here. So there is a plethora of experience. I mean, Etzel and Monastere are the least experienced two in the lineup. And, I mean, how much do you trust those two guys to get a base knock? I trust them a lot, right? Yeah. So, I think sometimes, you know, teams, you know, maybe are discrediting that experience factor. And baseball's weird because 
it's such a sport that you fail at a high rate that sometimes they discredit experience because it's, it's a numbers game. And, and I'm certainly a guy that loves the numbers side of this game, but there's also to be something to be said, because how much do you trust Danny Lynch late in the game? And I mean, what's Lynch batting on the year? Probably 256, you know, yeah. 260 something. But the I mean, best my 250 gosh. hitter, like in the, in the like the history of the world. Yeah. You trust <laughs> him. You trust him. So I think that experience factor is is really led to a lot of these clutch hits, clutch home runs, you know, in these monumental kind of moments because the moment's not too big. I don't care what Tennessee does. I don't care what the results will be this weekend. The atmosphere in, in the results of the weekend will not be too big for this ball club, you know, coming up in the Super Regional. We'll get to that in a little bit. From a pitching standpoint, standpoint um, Cliff, Sibley uh, was not going to throw anything by these guys, but he has this way of, and all the pitchers do. It's like Oz has this way of teaching this changeup, I think, and and um, and then utilizes it at the perfect moment all the time. Um, and Sibley did that. He just he he looked like he might have been overmatched by this lineup, and then he goes four innings and gives up one with five Ks and a walk. I mean, how do you explain? It? I mean, you probably watch it through a different lens than we do. I would think like, I mean, did, does any of that make sense? What I just said, yeah, did no, you think, yeah. Sure. And, uh, you know, he, he's had an interesting season. I mean, he, what he did the first half of the season where he's probably, uh, I mean, it could be argued where he's probably the most important guy on that staff, you know, maybe yeah. outside of Tanner, but, uh, you know, he just came in and, and got everybody out the first half of the season. And he's struck, he's had some struggles. He's kind of run into some, you know, whether it's fatigue or whatever it is, it's a long season and it's his first first go round for, for a season like this in Division One baseball. But whatever it is, he's kind of maybe lost some command. And, and uh, I think the biggest thing, if you want my opinion, is he's lost confidence. And you can kind of see that on the bump out there mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, but to come in and do what he did at that stage is is it's huge. And look, if, if any of those guys, I mean, you go, you go to yesterday and Colby Allen, if, if – if you got an out in this regional, I mean, you, you played a huge part of it because it got down, you know, once you lose that first game, I've said it all along, you, you had to have somebody that, that pitches in a position that maybe they weren't in uh, many times this season, and you've got to kind of pitch above your ability to get to the next level. Uh, and not that Carl Sibley pitched above, pitched above his ability, but uh, to go that distance at this point in the season when he's kind of struggled here late, late down the stretch is, is just huge. And the yeah. Chandler Dawson, to me, goes back to Lafayette in that series and his appearance there and, and that that blowout game that Louisiana won, uh, we set it on air that day. is hey, he's pitching for, you know, you're, you're coming into postseason play. Chandler Dawson is pitching for that uh, to give Coach Oz that confidence to run him out there uh, in, in a situation to where maybe you got to use some arms and steal some outs. And he did just that. And man, he, he looked sharp against Louisiana. Um, yeah. and, and, and certainly, you know, did his job Saturdays or Sunday. Sure whatever it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. Days get screwed up with me too. And this, this next game. So, so we win that one. So, so we got, uh, so we got pin, uh, again, Right. Um, or we play them Sunday at uh, well, this is the first time. And um, we play them Sunday. At, it ends up starting at 852 at night. That was a super long day at the ballpark, by the way. And the first note I have written down here is about the energy, because I was tired. 
Um, but like all the people in the stands were not somehow like the Southern Miss fans, but it started off with the pin people. They were bringing it. Um, they, they brought, they brought a bunch of fans and they had this thing go, they were running up and down the aisle and, uh, and they were bringing all kind of crazy energy. And then the Southern Miss fans just hit them right back. And I, I would like to think that that affected the players, um, just a little bit, just like, you know what, let's, let's, they got it, you know, let's go out and do it too. And, um, and so we ended up winning this game 11 to two, but it was, it was three to two, right. Headed into the ninth inning. Sutter Miss sends, I think, 12 guys to the plate and scores eight. Um, Peto hit a little league home run to give the Eagles a lead at one point. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, it just happened to be, we, we, we were sitting where, uh, so we were staring at like, you know, it was like on deck batter plate third base. So we were right down the line. And um, so it was a perfect spot to watch that happen. Just the entire thing unfold and he comes and scores and a uh, very exciting moment there in the uh, sixth thing, I believe. Southern Miss ends up getting 15 hits on the day. Wilkes two for six. Sarge got three hits. Tate Parker goes two for five. Nikki ball game three for four. Um, Peto two for four. Dickerson one for four with a monster bomb to center field, of course. And, um, but, but the story of the game, I thought, uh, outside of that total energy all night long that 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 the Eagles fans brought and and it bled over into the the dugout and the lineup was was Justin Storm. My man was just on a mission and and Cliff kind of did the prelude to this, but dude goes five and two thirds, one hit, zero runs, ten Ks, zero walks. Uh, if y'all want to just talk about that performance for a sec, I didn't realize it was that good until I started doing the notes later. I was like, did he really have ten strikeouts? Holy crap, yeah. you know? Um, Cliff, I mean, what, did, have you ever done that? Did you go five and two-thirds with 10 no, games? No, 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 I've never done that, no. <laughs> it's, uh, man, what he did in, in that situation, and you look at the, the final score, and it, you know, it kind of gets lost because of that um, eighth or ninth inning, whenever they put up that seven or eight spot, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about high leverage pitches, every single pitch from Justin Storm for – you know, for those four innings uh, before that that ninth inning, and um, man, he he had to put his team on his back, right? I mean, it, it it's there was zero room for error there, and yeah, like, if you make a mistake uh, or or a couple mistakes, your season is over. And uh, but I, I said, I mean, he he's done it all season long. He's been so good. Uh, he's been so reliable in those situations, and um, you know, he, he comes in, what, I think came in with bases loaded, right? And, and uh, granted, let, can we talk about that call on the umpire with the, the pitch clock and the, God. I mean, like it's, uh, you know, he, he certainly had the benefit of that. In a, yeah. I mean. How, hey, and that's, that's coming from a guy who's a fan of the pitch clock. I love the pitch clock. For the record, yeah, I, I hate it. The For the record, I hate it. Hey, can we talk about. Well, first, the umpires are bad. I thought all oh season. Oh my god! And, and I know I'm famous for like, story, and yeah, you should never be part of the part of the storm. That's what they were. They, they were. They you should never be talked about. Regional, right? Yeah, I know I bang on umpires a lot, but my god, I mean, there there were some balls that I mean, to my eye, was nine inches outside. They were rung up on both sides. <laughs> it was the widest um, strike zone I've ever seen in and, a baseball uh, and, and and yeah, the, the whole thing with the bases loaded, I just. I mean, the stones on that guy, right? To just go like point to his wrist and say, you're out. I mean, the merry-go-round's about to start three and two. I'm 
so thankful he made that call, but you just, you can't do it there. That's yeah. Yeah. Just, right. I told this to Cliff this morning. We, we were talking about that incident. If I'm the Penn baseball coach, I'm going full on Philip Wellman out there on the field. <laughs> yes. I'm, talking, I'm talking belly crawling. I'm rising grenade of this yeah. moment. I'm, I'm talking bats, balls. I would have asked him if he wanted a pin T-shirt. It would have been a full-on scene in Auburn, Alabama, if I was the head coach, because there's just – I'm not a pitch clock guy, and it's for reasons like that. Like, that was an intense moment, and, yes, it went in favor of our beloved Golden Eagles, and I guess we're very grateful for that, but what a mockery that we missed that yeah, three no, right. bases loaded pitch. Storm's going to punch him out either way we know that because that's what he did all night and that dude now going back I, he, he was so good baker and 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 but he he seems to elevate his game in those situations and and you saw it last year right and and against lsu in the regional and um and it, it's just, it takes something special to to elevate your game and in games like that like he's done throughout his career and uh, you know, Jason and I have, have had the privilege to talk talk with him a good bit this season, and he's just uh, as good as he's been. He is that good of a human as well, and just a good kid, man. He's a good dude. Um, he was a phenomenal basketball player in high school who had some offers to play basketball at the next level, and uh, I know I think all of us can say that we're certainly glad that he he chose baseball and chose the path that he did. Yeah, his checking count in a couple months gonna be real glad that uh, he chose uh, <laughs> baseball because he's he's made himself some money, fellas. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a performance for me. I took the regional in through the voice of John Cox and Jack Duggan all weekend long. I just chose to to listen and not watch uh, for pretty much I'd say ninety percent of the regional. And uh, when John starts talking about performances of legends and you know, historic type performances. And you think about how long he's been doing this and calling those and watching those. Like, I hope Justin Storm realizes, you know, those kind of performances, man, will, will be talked about in that ruse for years and years and years to come. And I mean, not only has he given us one, you know, from a regional a year ago, he's given us two and look, he's got, two, possibly three more games inside of Pete Tyler, Pete Taylor Park this weekend that he's going to get an opportunity to give it to us again. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm so glad we're going to get black powder sold pumping through them Pete Taylor Park speakers one more weekend. And I hope my man Damien on that call uh, turns that volume to freaking airplane decibel kind of levels and just <laughs> lets that moment breathe because Justin Storm deserves to trot out to that music one more time this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be super special. So, and and that takes us to the championship game. And, you know, we were like, who do we throw, right? Uh, th that, that was what everybody kept asking me, like, you know, is, is, is Container throwing? Is Middleton ready? I mean, that guy's got, you know, he's going to make a lot of money in baseball one day. Um, who's going to get the ball? Had a night's sleep on it and get back after it. So, Pilo, uh, game five versus uh, Penn, yeah, on Monday at two o'clock. Uh, two o'clock, man. Uh, I had. I was so happy about another two o'clock game. By the way, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were. And yeah. the funny thing was, we have uh, with my job, we have a Monday morning kind of meeting with our whole team, and and I, 
uh, at 10 15, right? So I, I joined the meeting and there's 10 or 15 people on there and I immediately get hit with, Hey, Patrick, we're going to, we're going to schedule a two to 4 PM brainstorming session meeting with you. <laughs> uh, and I say decline. Of course it was a joke, uh, but it was like <laughs> decline. That's not happening. Uh, I COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Instantly. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, so every, I think everybody obviously that's going to listen to this knows the outcome of this, but Eagles win the championship 11 to seven trailed five to one through four. Right. Yeah. And I was having a mental breakdown at that moment. Uh, but I, I still feel like this team had fight. Like we saw it, we knew it was coming, but still my, I was, I was unwell. I think I tweeted that multiple times from the top topic uh, account all weekend that I was not in a mental space. Um, and so hats off to, the entire staff and these players for keeping their head in the game. Uh, so scored four runs in the bottom of the fourth on a bunch of station to station action, um, added three in the sixth and three in the eighth for the final of 11 to seven. Billy Oldham credited with the W he's eight and three on the year. Now Tanner Hall started um, and goes two innings and uh, Luke Trahan threw an inning, gave up three runs. Oldham comes in, looks really good, goes three innings, gives up two hits, no earn, two Ks. And then Armistead comes in and closes it out and gets the save. He goes two and two thirds, giving up one hit, no earned, no walks, five Ks. Um, huge. Uh, so for the Eagles offensively, we ended up with 13 hits. Etzel goes two for five. Dickerson, two for five with a homer, of course. Tate Parker goes three for three with three runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all three of those runs I remember, uh, he was literally walking across the plate, right? Because he was like either on third or it was those station to station. And he just kind of, mm-hmm. he I don't think he ever really had to hustle from going from third to home. I don't know why I remember that, but. Uh, Peyto goes two for three with two RBIs. Montenegro goes two for three with two RBIs. So obviously we offensively threatened all day long. Um, had to make a comeback with this team. Of course we did. Uh, and we got it done. So love to hear you guys thoughts. on. Hey, that. and real quick before they jump in, I want to give a mm-hmm. shout out to Potch. Mm-hmm. My man caught some baseball games this weekend. He got 18 and I was tired. <laughs> I just sat there and watched it. <laughs> he caught 18 innings on um was that Sunday, I guess? Sunday, yeah. And then caught again. <laughs> I mean, he's sitting over 400 now, so it's hard to take him out of the lineup, but you could even tell towards the end of games, he's like on a knee and just like shoving the ball back yeah, to the lobbing pitcher, you know, it. Just like, and <laughs> but uh but you know, he musters up this energy and just has a knack for hit. Anyway, I want to give a shout out to Poch because it's it's um it's inc- and honestly, give a shout out to Blake. Blake was down there catching bullpens, and Blake would run down in between if Potch wasn't ready yet, and he would come catch, you know, behind the plate and then hand it over. And uh, that's probably not easy to do, you know. He's a hell of a player too. It's just, you know, they've made a choice, and so honestly, I guess shout out to just our, both of our catchers back there. They they've one of them ends up starting most at the end of the year, and the other one's right there high five him, man. So it's cool. And I'll and I, I tell you what, even, I mean, we talk obviously about those nine guys on the field and the bullpen, but, man, you can you can go to down that entire roster. And at this point, everybody's got a role, right? Whether you're the bullpen catcher or, or whether you're the guy that, that cuts jokes and, and keeps the, the tension, you know, soft. And yeah. I mean, that just can't go 
um, undervalued is, is what every single person brings at this point. And, and you kind of know your role and you've got to learn to embrace it. And that's, to me, is the difference between good teams and great teams is, is the, the, the chemistry in that dugout and the chemistry mm-hmm. in the locker room. And uh, obviously we, we don't, you know, Baker and I don't get anything behind the scenes with this team than, than anybody else does. But um, yeah, we're down on the field. We, we watch BP just about every home game and um and these guys seem to have that type of, of rapport that you got to have. And, and uh, talent will only take you so far. And at this point now, everybody's talented. And it's, it's, mm, yeah. it's with teams. And that, that starts at the top, man. It, start, it starts with 40 and it starts with Coach Eyes and Krill and, and that whole entire staff. And, uh, you know, they, they create that. That's down year to year to players. But, uh, and I know I'm rambling, but Baker, you can kind of touch on that that final game go ahead yeah no I, I agree with you too Cliff I think you know their their hashtag on social media is everything matters and and truly it does like in and when you get in the grind of a season like this you know it does matter like every little tidbit yeah. matters Blake Johnson's attitude right now you know for this ball club matters I go back to the interview that we had with Danny Lynch on the two grand slam Saturday against Louisiana. You know, I asked him the question like, Danny, what led to this? And he basically cited that Matthew Russo keeping a chart basically tipped him to this change up that this guy was throwing. And he essentially said, you know, Hey, because of Russo, I was able to put a good swing on that ball. And I mean, Matthew Russo is basically sitting over there on the, you know, the little equipment compartment, just keeping this chart. But that's this team is this team relishes that role. And then, you know, the championship game, it was, I I think it was a total team effort. You know, I think it starts at the top with Etzel and it gets going with those guys. And then, you know, Dustin Dickerson's, you know, added power into this lineup. All of a sudden he's, what, 10 home runs on the season has added a different dimension. Um, Nick Monaster again has added a different dimension. And, yeah, I just think it's, you know, Tanner Hall, I heard Scott Berry today tell Richard Cross, he basically sent word through Danny Lynch that he wanted that baseball. And then so did Billy Oldham. But then I also think the beauty of this team is Oldham ran out of gas and told him, and so did Tanner Hall, like, hey, that's all I've got. Let's let's go to somebody else. Let's pass this ball. And let's go try to win this championship and win this regional. Wow. And, you know, it takes a lot of guts to be able to admit to your coach, that's all I got today, man. And, uh, you know, kudos to this staff and then kudos to Will Armistead for, you know, we've already talked about his development, but I, I love his demeanor, man. You don't really know if he's enjoying it, hating it, you know, breathing. Uh, you know, he just kind of stands up <laughs> on the mound. And to me, that's the definition of a quality pitcher. Like, I, I love the emotion that they'll give after pitches and, it certainly makes broadcast fun, but truth be told, I want that kid that's so stoic on the mound that you don't know, you know, how it's affecting him at all. Let your catcher be demonstrative. That Rodrigo, I mean, on several of those calls, man, he would just show his body language. Like, I mean, him and the umpire, I think on Monday, even kind of chawed a little bit back and forth. You know, I think Rodrigo was displeased with a couple of those calls and was probably trying to buy one for later. And frankly, it worked because the last pitch of the ball game out of Armistead's hand, in my opinion, was a ball all day. But hey, man, we got the strike call, and that was it. And yeah, off we go back to Hattiesburg, babe. Well, 
you talk about being demonstrative uh, and kind of <laughs> showing your emotions. <clears throat> We're about to have some of that, I think, because <laughs> we are two wins away from Omaha. And the team we got coming into town is Tennessee. And, you know, I, I don't, I make no bones about it. I don't watch a whole lot of baseball outside of Southern Miss baseball. But I remember seeing all the highlights from last year, and they're like the best team ever. And then I, th- I don't think they made it out of the regional. And they're not as good this year, but they're still pretty good, right? Uh, they're 41 and 19, 16 and 14 in the SEC. Um, and this, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many away games we played. I'm pretty sure I wrote this stat, this stat down right. They're five and twelve on the year in away games. Is that possible to only play twelve away games? Well, they played seventeen. Did they? Well, yeah. for you count the tournament or whatever. Or no? Well, if they're if they're five if and they're twelve, five and twelve. That's seven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, your yeah, application yeah. at Penn was shorter than mine was. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And I graduated <laughs> the two three for a reason. Let's not make any mistake about that. That's but right. Five and right. twelve on the year in away games, thirty-three and five at home. So this regional getting it was kind of a, a coin flip, I think, between Hattiesburg and Knoxville. Um, kind of a big deal, right? Um, they won three in a row in their regional, beat Charlotte on eight to one on Friday, beat number four national seed, Clemson six to five in 14 innings. That was a crazy ass game. Um, and then they beat Charlotte again nine to two on Sunday. They hit 288 as a team. Uh, Jared Dickey, 335, 12 bombs. Christian Moore, 321 with 17 bombs. Griffin Merritt, 306 with 18. Uh, Blake Burks hit 15 home runs. Zane Denton's hit 15 home runs. I think you're seeing a trend here. They hit a bunch of homers. They've hit 122 as a team. I was kind of frightened with Samford hitting 101. <clears throat> so this team can hit, right? And the team ERA at 3.6. Not terrible. Um, have you guys watched more of Tennessee than I have? Uh, do you know anything about Tennessee outside of their antics? Their coach gets gets crazy. Um, they're going to have, you know, that the name on the front of their jersey, which I don't think is going to bother us. But um, what should we expect out of Tennessee this weekend? I, I, I think they, and I say this as the ultimate compliment, They've got a bunch of Dustin Dickerson's, man. They they got some swag to them. <laughs> they have got some some uh, some confidence in that lineup, and we saw it last year. Uh, I don't think it's to the point that they were last year because they haven't had that success. But they're a, they're a confident bunch, man. And and uh, I'm with you, Bump. I don't I don't watch a whole lot outside of of Southern Miss baseball, but I, I certainly keep up with it. Um, and I know they they've got some depth. They they certainly got some power. They've got some pop. Um, and then on, on the mound, you're you're going to see some depth with some velo, right? And you got Chase Dollander who came into the season as as one of the more highly anticipated arms in college baseball. Maybe up there with uh, certainly with Paul Skeens and and Rhett Louder, and maybe just a couple outside of that. But um, you know him. I, and I don't think he started game one of the regional. I don't I don't know. I think you'll probably see him in game two. So outside of there, uh, outside of him, you got Chase Burns, who has also been in their weekend rotation. But he's now in the bullpen uh, and just getting, kind of giving them a guy out of the pen and another option. But uh, I think he's really kind of revitalized his season in that pen over the last couple of weeks. But you're going to see uh, just that, man. You're going to see some depth. You're going to see um, a confident group, a team that's obviously playing really well, went in and knocked off a, a, a Clemson team that was as hot as anybody in the country. Um, 
But man, I, I, like you said it, I, I you know this team isn't going to be phased by them. It, it's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna come down like it always does, and and who pitches best, in my opinion. And um, you know, if if uh, I'd be interested to see what we do, I, I'm I don't know. I, I'm assuming Tanner. Now that we've pushed it back to Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, I'm I'm assuming Tanner goes game one. I would hope so. Bake, what do you think about Tennessee? Well, I think the guys in the right field, Roos, we've alluded to this often on the broadcast because we know those guys. Shout out to John Smith and Todd Maddox. Um, I don't yeah. know what they all typically say to those right fielders and those kids in the You don't want to know. You don't want to I'm going to let you know. Whatever they're going to dish back to those guys, I got a feeling this weekend uh, Tennessee may be sending them uh, right back over that wall back uh, to those guys in that right field corner. Tennessee plays with swag. Um, they get it from their head coach. He's he's one of the more dynamic pieces in all of college baseball. He has not hidden from it. My understanding is it's it's a show that they put on the field. It is not his demeanor off the field. Scott Barry had a conversation uh, with me and Cliff and a couple of guys uh, earlier this year with one of the opposing coaches, and I can't remember exactly who they had played Tennessee. Might have been Scott Jackson from Liberty and. Um, 40 actually said, like, away from the field, Tony Vitello is uh, a friend of his. He he enjoys him. He, he knows him. He talks to him. And um, so this will be unique. You know, there'll be a lot of respect. But, yeah, like, they're a team. You're right. A team full of Dustin Dickerson's. This is going to be a um, – and, look, I think we have some of that as well. Like, Dustin sort of displays it, like, through the on-field motions. You know, I mean – Look, he admires every home run he hits, and if I was talented enough to do it, I probably would too. But Carson Pato's got some of that in him. He's he's not afraid of the big moment. I think Chris Sargent's got a little of that in him, and um, we all know Danny Lynch is is certainly capable of understanding what the moment is. And so I, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to be intimidated. The moment's not going to be too big. I don't think we're going to worry about the name on the front of that jersey. Um, I think we're plenty good enough to beat them. I think they're a really good SEC team, um, you know, and, and as they should. But, you know, I, I told some guys in my office today, you know, the SEC sees high velo arms week in, week out. And that's what they have. They have a bunch. They got a staff full of guys that are going to probably sit somewhere between 95 and 97, 98 all weekend. And you're going to get tired of seeing them pumping that, that high velo stuff. But I think the the yin to that yang, if you will, is I, I think a guy like Tanner Hall who keeps the ball down in the zone, and that's going to be really critical for him, in my opinion, is early strikes low in the zone mm-hmm. to be able to establish that zone down around the knees. And then you described Billy Oldham earlier in this podcast bump as Tanner-like. I, everything I see from Billy Oldham, I absolutely love. And look – Tanner's been special and he's been really, really good. And I mean, an absolute icon in this program, but man, there's been times that Billy Odom, you could take his performances and go tit for tat with what Tanner Hall has this year. I mean, I'm thinking of one Saturday, it might've been JMU that if it wasn't for a rain delay, brother, I don't, I'm not real sure the Dukes were going to get a hit off Billy Odom that Saturday. I mean, he was carving those cats up and that's all due respect to James Madison. I mean, it was just Billy Oldham just, and he's going to throw stuff that they've not seen a lot of. It's not that they haven't seen a guy sit in the upper eighties, 
you know, with a low 80s change up. It's not that they don't see that, but it's the fact that week in, week out, they're gearing up for high velo activity. And I, I mean, outside of Mazza and outside of Middleton and, and Justin Storm, we're not going to show them much of that, man. We're going to show them stuff down and, and I hope, you know, stuff that's located in the zone, but soft. And, you know, if, if we get ahead of them early, I think there's something to be said for playing this thing in Pete Taylor Park. We, this crowd never got to be into last year's Super Regional. Ole Miss did a fantastic job of early in those games, taking the crowd out of it. I can remember sitting there with my wife on, on Sunday with Lauren, and I looked at her and just said, we need something good to happen to us. Yeah change the complexity of this series i think success early in these games are critical because tennessee yes really really good really well coached but and and i mean this with all due respect they're not wake forest fellas that's not red louder going out there and towing the bump that's not lsu with paul schemes and so you know if you were going to sign me up for a couple of the sec teams right now you know to start through this postseason run i would have signed up for auburn and Truth be told, I, you know, Tennessee would have been another team that I would have said, look, let's just see how we, we match up against them. And you knew with that many SEC teams in the postseason, you were going to have to step through a couple of them to get to Omaha. And, you know, here we go. It's, it, it's going to be electric. Absolutely. And we are going to get out of here before long. I did want to mention a couple of things and other uh, Golden Eagle related news as far as baseball goes. Uh, Tanner Hall was – uh, named first team all American in consecutive seasons from uh, CBN newspaper. And Danny Lynch appeared in his 261st career game, passing Gabe Montenegro for the most games played in the Golden Eagle career. Um, so shout out to Danny. I would like to remind everybody that we are brought to you by Fourth Street Bar and Grill, always the place to be pre and post game for every USM sport event. <clears throat> Have all their games on if you can't make it to the game. $9.95 plate lunches Monday through Friday, home style plate lunches. Tag us on social when you go by there and do all those drink specials like earlier. And my voice is just about to crap out. So we are going to get <laughs> straight into shout outs. Um, Cliff, uh, first of all, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, enjoyed watching you play. Enjoy calling you a friend. Um, is there anything you'd like to say to the Golden Eagle faithful and, and possibly give a, a shout out or two right before we shut this down? Man, let's let's talk about this weekend and and yep. we talk about the the moment not being too big for the Eagles. It it is too big for me. Like I I'm a nervous wreck, man. I am. Uh, <laughs> I had to like I I just had to keep repeating to myself today. That I can't believe that that we are hosting the Super Regional for for the second time, second year in a row, and uh, it just goes to volumes of what Coach Barry has done with this program. I mean, like like programs like ours at our size and and quote unquote mid major should not be doing this right. Like with with our our budget, our facilities, like we we should not be in this situation. Yeah. But because of that man uh, and the guys around him and these kids, man, well, here we are. And um, I, I, for one, don't I don't I don't take it for granted, man. I, I cannot wait for this weekend. And, and no matter the outcome, uh, I'm just thankful to these guys on that field and, and for 40 and, and the guys around him. Well said, Bake. Yeah, man. I, I first want to say bump to, to you and Pilo. Thanks for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure joining you guys. And then a special shout out to my guy, man, Cliff Russell. Um, two years mm-hmm. into this broadcasting gig, um, I, he was such a, 
a friend of mine in college were, were roughly the same age. And I always sort of knew that if they would ever let me pick a color analyst, Cliff would have been my first call. And he was, and he jumped at this opportunity. And I'm really forever grateful that Cliff's done this. Um, the, the support that we get, you know, good, bad, and different, man. I feel bad for other announcers because our Golden Eagle fans have just um, become just so infatuated with watching our broadcast. And look, every every one of those things on Twitter mean the world to us. But uh, really shout out to Cliff for, for joining us and, and making these broadcasts truly special because he was a special Golden Eagle um, getting to cover his career. I just knew that, you know, he would, he would know he's a kid who grew up in Hattiesburg and um, just respects the program. And, and I go back to that interview in the final game for Scott Berry at Pete Taylor Park. And, of course, we didn't know that we would get a Super Regional back in there. And uh, the support that came from that was really special. And then I just want to shout out to, not that they'll listen, but to Scott Berry, Christian Ostrander, Travis Creel, Ben Brewer, Keller Bradford, and Brant Jones, that coaching staff for this Golden Eagle Club. Man, the, the um, I don't know, the fellowship that they've given Cliff and I this year is special because we get access before those games, as Cliff says. And man, Christian Ostrander, my kids think Christian Ostrander is a dear friend to them because of the way he treats them. And um, it's just been a special year, a special run. Um, I can't believe that uh, the next time I'll call a game for the Golden Eagles, Scott Berry won't be in the third base coach's box. That'll be yeah. a little bit eerie, a little bit scary, but yeah. I'm very thankful to the baseball gods that they're going to let us all get to say farewell to him this weekend. Win, lose, or draw, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to watch Scott Berry coach his final game at Pete Taylor Park. He He's Coach Cliff, and you could see that emotion when Cliff asked him what you know, Pete Taylor Park meant to Scott Berry in that interview. And, and he turned to Cliff and said, it's everything because you played for me. You know, it was it was such a cool moment for me Incredible. as an outsider who didn't pitch for Scott Berry, who, who he would have fired the day first day I would have thrown it like Uncle Rico. He would have said, hey, man, it's probably best you go get, get that TV food. But uh, I'm so thankful to Scott and what he has meant to us and to this community. And um, we do consider him a dear friend and yeah, it's going to be special this weekend, man. It gives me chills. I'll be amongst the fans this weekend at Pete Taylor Park. Um, I'll be with just my youngest son for a couple of the games. My wife's out of town. My oldest son has other duties. and um, But I'll be in that number and uh, really can't wait to, to try to see what we can do to help pull this Golden Eagle ball club through and um, send them off the way that they, they so richly deserve and 40 so richly deserves. And uh, you just never know, my man. These these moments are so magical, and they can be heartbreaking all at the same time. But um, I, I would challenge you as a Golden Eagle fan that you know, no matter the results of the weekend, just just remember we're we're getting ready to send off an all timer in a, in a head coach for the Golden yeah. Eagles. Look at what he has built to this program, and so I'm just mm. so so thankful to get to talk about him for so many of the games of the year, and um, I'm gonna get to cheer him on this weekend. So it's really fun. Very well said. Thanks, Big. Uh, Pilo? Man, I get to follow that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck. No, I, I really I, – I don't have a lot of shout-outs, uh, and that's very on-brand for me because um, I usually wing it. Uh, but I do I do want to thank you guys uh, for coming on, Bake and, and Russell. Man, I uh, 
I've watched more broadcast uh, through, I guess, postseason ball and with the obviously the addition of ESPN Plus uh, this season. And man, are we uh, blessed with to have you guys in the broadcast crew. Uh, it is it is extremely frustrating to watch another broadcast and not have <laughs> the talent you guys bring and the quality of our broadcast and camera work. Uh, man, that crew gets after it every single week and just provide an absolute stellar experience. So I uh, just want to thank you all for coming on the show and just providing your unique and just uh, – so much knowledge, man. I, I feel like I was so quiet, which is awesome. It's a great experience for me. Just Less to- of us and more uh, of the guests. Is yes, absolutely. Nobody thing. wants to hear me ramble uh, and usually get stuff wrong. So uh, that's really all I have. And I, like I said, I, I, I am, uh, I think Cliff, we share the fact that I am a nervous wreck through this entire thing. I think I hold it and go stand back by the grill and just tell me like, I'll cook something so I don't have to watch. Uh, and so that's probably what I'll do all weekend is man the grill and just continue to cook and crank out food for everybody back there. Um, so, so I can just kind of keep my eyes off of it. I will be a nervous, emotional wreck probably all weekend, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it and nothing else I would rather do. So that's it for me. So shout out to, first of all, uh, Dusty Haley and Colby Calcoat. It's like, I never talked to these guys until like something like this comes around and they're like, Hey, you got tickets? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, but no i think they're gonna make the trip uh th- this weekend and they're coming down so it's gonna be good to see those guys once again and all the people that i mean eric that ride that we took this this uh this week stump and misty Cade, larry and christian christian doliak ran into them um momo mm-hmm. um, phil scott and zach hung out with them a lot matt and lindley Minshew made the trip down from um, meridian on on the final day um Kevin Rogers, Margie Jepson, just countless people. But and before we close it out for reals, we didn't get to the tweet of the week because I forgot about it. But I'm going to make an executive decision. We're going to do it right now. Let's do uh, it. So this moron from Tennessee on Twitter has been going off about this Applebee's thing, right? <laughs> it is the measure of a great town. So like super everything school guy, whatever your name is. Um. He, so he says in this long thread, I'm just going to. Uh, just uh, make it shorter. Um, what I'm actually, this is what he said. He said, what I'm actually saying is quote, while your town sucks, you can't keep an Applebee's open uh, close quote. Um, but I understand how you'd be confused, which I guess is still part of the quote, but he did it anyway. So the tweet of the week is from the city of Hattiesburg who responded to this. <laughs> So the city of Hattiesburg chimes in because up until this point, it's just a bunch of people. Right. And then the city mm-hmm. chimes in and they say that logic doesn't really track, but here let's help fix it. And they give a link to visit Hattiesburg.org. And that's a pretty good tweet. But they went on to say our thriving economy is home to more than 200 local restaurants. Granted, it may not be the bourbon street steak or the Oreo shake that you love. <laughs> For the official Hattiesburg uh, City account. That was just fantastic. Uh, um, that made my day. So I got a kick out of that. It was awesome. Bacon Russell, you guys killed it. Thank you so much for being here, Pilo, as always. Thanks for yep. bringing the heat. Um, and thank everybody for listening in today, whatever day you might have listened and whichever platform you chose to listen in on. Remember, you can follow me at Bumper J Bailey and Patrick at P. Lowry. 
and bacon Russell. Go find them. Um, you can follow us all on all the social at to the top talk and and don't forget about the mailbag to the top talk at gmail.com. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Tell somebody to the top today. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk. I could play for Alabama, USC, or Notre Dame. You have lots of things to offer, but Southern Mississippi puts you all shame. I was born here in Hattiesburg, never ventured far away. When it comes to playing football, here in Eagle Heaven is where I'm gonna stay. I could play for North Carolina, Ohio State, RLSU. You play a good game of football, but Southern Mississippi is a whole lot better than you. season is over and done. The fans here in Hattiesburg will be proud of what we've done. I could play for the Georgia Bulldogs, Florida State, or Tennessee. But I chose Southern Mississippi. And right here at home is where I'll always be. I could play for Alabama, USC, our Notre Dame You have lots Of things to offer But Southern Mississippi Put you all to shame I could play For North Carolina Ohio State Or LSU You play a good Game of football But Southern Mississippi Is a whole lot better than you season is over and done all your teams with famous names will see we're number one ask mississippi state ask mississippi state call katie case bailey with dunbar real estate for all of your real estate needs katie case bailey realtor extraordinaire something to show something to list something to sell call today at 601-408-9980